0: Aloha kakaiyaka. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Everyone in here, I want you to close your eyes. And I want to sort a little differently today. I want God, as you have your eyes closed, I want us to intentionally go to Him. And I want us to pray to a God... Who doesn't need us, but in his sovereignty, he communes with us. Amen? So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. We can call it a prayer of attention or a prayer of faith, but say these words after me. Say, Heavenly Father, Blessed God, I need you today. I don't need another service or another experience or another emotion. I need you. So God, speak to me through the reading of the word, through the preaching of the word, through the filling of your spirit, and to the commission of your grace. As you bow your heads, I want you to hear this prayer. With no one looking around, every eye closed, my prayer today, Lord, is that myself included, everyone in this room, would be captivated by Scripture. Or that when we leave this room, we can say theologically and doctrinally that we met with God today, not because of an emotion or an event or anything else, but your word. As that video says, your Bible is everything. Your word, your scriptures. Was good enough for the first century Christians and is good enough for the last days of Christians. Thank you for being good when we're not good. Thank you for being gracious when we are evil. Thank you for being merciful when we reject you. Thank you for being perfect when we are imperfect. But thank you for redeeming us. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's Ohana says loud and proud. Amen. Ahalo. Nui when you turn your books or your Bible to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. The book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. For the last few weeks, we've been walking verse by verse to the book of Nehemiah. And we've learned a couple things through this book. And the first reality truth we've learned, you can look right up on the screen. We've been saying it for almost four weeks now. Say it with me. One, two, three. God will do what he has to do to fix our eyes on him. Has that been true for us in the last few weeks, right? God is doing extraordinary things in our walk with him that is making us fix our eyes on him. So that may be personal for you in your marriage. That may be personal for you in your relationship with your keiki. That may be personal for you in your environments at work, in the community you live in, in the home you shepherd, whatever the case is, God is doing what He has to do to fix His eye, to fix our eyes on Him. And what we've learned significantly throughout history is this truth: that, that any great movement throughout history has always begun or began with a movement of prayer. As we are having continued conflict in our nation today, as there were divisive posts... Yesterday of Independence Day, on your view, whether you've come from a Hawaiian background or American background or whatever we choose to pick for our background, there's definitely divisiveness. And the answer to if the answer historically, the answer biblically, theologically, doctrinally has always been God's people praying. I want to remind you that we don't just pray to transition into Moments of quietness or smooth repertoire of, uh, of balance, but we pray because God will do what He has to do to fix our eyes on Him. Amen. That's the truth. He will do what He has. He's sovereign. He is in complete control. And I want you to see that today's act of protesting is not like protesting protesting From 60, 70 years ago. Today's protesting is filled with young people who fall short of the understanding of God's justice. Today's young people are attacking injustice with more, help me out, injustice. Today's young people is a people who have rejected and neglected God. And they think that their persuasion of democracy will fix their land. But what we know, what we know from history and scripture, let's talk about the great awakening in Europe. Let's talk about the great awakening in America. You may not understand what I'm saying. So I'm saying there's these movements in the 18th century and the 19th century where there's movements in Europe and America where God's spirit revived the local church and the local church's influence revived their nation. People are coming to faith in God, not because of differences of their color of their skin, but because they have a chemical in their heart that separates them from the righteousness of God, and that is sin, saints. They found a commonality that we all pilau people in need to be porno with the Lord of the universe. And the awakening didn't begin with protesting. The awakening began in the church with people coming into the church, being the church, crying out to God on our behalf that God will do the work that he promised to fulfill in the continuation of redemption through Christ alone, through grace alone, through faith alone, through scripture alone, to his glory alone. Today's protesting negates that very movement. We don't pray anymore. We don't come to the church to pray before we protest. We just go out with foolish hearts, foolish minds, wrapped our theology and our truths from what social media said and all these fake news, and we just come out with cards and we see what we see today. The divisiveness of the devil. And I will let you know that the devil is real today. In fact, he has one clear mission statement. It's found in John 10.10. You want to hear his mission statement? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his mission statement. He will do what he has to to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, later on in that verse, same verse says, come to give life and life more abundantly. So as we come to our text of Nehemiah chapter 5, The reality is, all we can do today is depend on the Lord. And so if you are in dependence of God, would you stand with me in the faithful reading of God's holy word? We have actually forgotten some historical practices in the Christian life. In the old days, like going all the way back, to the reformers and further back to the reformers of the 16th century, the church would always stand in the reading of the word. It was a historical practice that came all the way from the first century Christians. So you may wonder, why do we stand? Uh, we believe standing is a posture of reverence. Standing is a posture of, uh, of honor. Standing is a posture of letting everybody else know that we will stand for no one else but the King of King and the glory and the Lord of Lord. And I want to read just a few verses in our text. Verses 1 to 5. And then I want us to exegete it in our time today. Kau kau. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many, so let us gain, get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who, who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers, our children are as their children, yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have already been, what? Enslaved. Listen to these last few words. But it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our Vineyards. God, give us clarity in the mighty name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We honor you in this text. God's ohana says loud and proud. Amen. Nohoi you may be seated. It is evident as you understood our text in the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the title of our sermon is called The Sin of Greed. The Sin of Greed. The Oxford Dictionary states that greed is an intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, and food. And as we exegete the text today, you will realize that there is a lot of people that are selfish. In fact, in church life, in church ministry, for older churches, there is called an event called a building campaign. We've done it before in this church. And a building campaign with great hearts can actually be manipulated and turned to what we're talking about today with greed. Though we will give above and beyond the tithe in building campaigns. Those those building campaigns are actually there so that we can progress the mission that God has called every one of us to be a part of. And like so in this setting... We see a people of God who is now in the walls of Jerusalem as they're renovating it. And there is tension among the people inside the wall that needs to be addressed. In other words, there is sin in the camp, guys. There is sin in the camp and it needs to be dealt with. And the sin in the camp of Jesus of God today in Nehemiah chapter 5 is that the royalties and the nobles are stealing from their brothers and sisters. Now we can put the blame on these higher class people, but in all reality greed is in all of our hearts. Every one of us have greed. These royalties and these nobles were charging interest for the land and the enslavement of their children. Because the lower class could not keep up with the upper class. Therefore, they needed welfare support. But, I want you to see this, welfare was not prevalent in the walls at this time in 450 BC in Jerusalem. I want you to see the standard that God's people lived by when it came to borrowing money, resources, land, and help. In Deuteronomy 23, this is what the people lived by. You shall not charge interest on loans to your brother. Let me say that again because I should have heard a big amen today. Let me hear you, all right? You shall not charge interest on loans to your what? Brother. Amen. Interest on, Unless you guys like be broke all the time, you can get interest. Hallelujah, all right? Interest. You shall not interest on money, interest on food, interest on anything that is lent for interest. But God's people, who's been in captivity for over seventy years, are coming back to Jerusalem, and now they're rebuilding the wall. They're rebuilding their faith. They're even at this point rebuilding their government polity. And they forgot about Deuteronomy because of their captivity in a foreign land called Babylon. And they come back 70 years later and they're dealing with governmental issues that they've totally forgot about because they're two, three generations removed from this mosaic law that God's people lived by. Right? These taxes are no different from today. These taxes went towards the wealth of the king alone. Here's the difference between what we're experiencing. For those of you who have disability, res- receive EBT, receive some kind of government assistance in this room, hear me out. There's no such such thing in this 445, 50 BC. You were on your own. Whatever you had, you had. And so the last point of their welfare being... Is to give their children away. To clean for the higher classmen, And God says this is wrong. This is not what I've called you to be. Therefore. As we look at this topic of the sin of greed. There's two ways. That God addresses our greed issue. Number one. We must seek the Lord privately. Say that with me. One, two, three. We must seek the Lord privately. In Nehemiah chapter 5, Nehemiah hears of this fuss. And in verse 6 to 7a, he says this. I was angry when I heard their outcry and these words. So I took counsel with myself. Another translation you could use is that Nehemiah went to his room and Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah sought counsel with his God. And this anger that Nehemiah describes is a rightful anger, a just anger. An anger that will lead him to fix the wrong of this governmental polity. We know from chapter 2 that Nehemiah came back to to Jerusalem... For the welfare of the city. For the improvement of the people who were there and who came with him from Babylon. And at this moment, he's angry. He's angry that God's people, who just in the last chapter, worked together to build these walls. When the heathens and the pagans and the outsiders came to kill them. Now, they're trying to attack their, each other. And so, there is sin in the camp. Psalms 4.4. Rightly so, says about Nehemiah's anger. It says, be angry and do not what? Sin. Ponder in your heart on your beds and be silent. You will be the greatest parent and the greatest follower of the Lord if you adhere to this verse. We are naturally reactionary, pupuli people. Can I get a witness in here, right? Us crazy people like naturally say whatever we want, right? As I said last week, whenever we want, right? However we want. But the word of God says opposite. When you are angry, do not sin. How do you not sin? Kulikulikawa'a. Be quiet, right? Noho ilalo. Sit on your bed. Meet with God. Talk. To him. Right? The word selah in the Hebrew language is the, is the word pause. It, it, and it's a certain kind of pause. It's a pause to reflect on something that's going on. It's a pause to acknowledge our great God, a high view of God. And it's a pause to reflect on man, a low view of man, Right? It's a pause to thank God in meditation, right, and honor to Him. We, some of us can pray, but I wonder if some of us can meditate. I wonder if some of us can just shut our mouth, sit on our bed or wherever the quiet place is, and say nothing. I'm going to tell you right now, your mind will attack you. You're going to be anxious, right? Right? You, everything that comes to your mind is going to come, right? Insecurities, pride is going to hit your mind. This is why I believe the Apostle Paul says in the 12th chapter of Romans that we, by the, that we should renew our what? Minds. Actually, that is an act of worship in verse 1. That we should renew our mind. That we wouldn't be conformed to this world. What is being conformed to this world? I'm just going to spat out anything that I want to spat out at. Because react- in our sin, we are reactionary people. But in God, we take a step back. This is a metric of a follower of God. How can we know if we're true followers of God? Step back. Step back. Let God do what only He can do in this quiet time. And so here's an application truth for us. When you are angry, seek the Lord. When you are angry, seek the Lord. We believe at Ohana Church that the Bible is 100% accurate. We don't believe with certain followers of the Lord that there's going to be new signs and wonders. We don't believe in the word of faith movement that I grew up in. We don't believe that people can see new signs and new wonders. It's actually all been fulfilled in the Lamb's book of life right here. We believe God has already said... Everything, and if we profess any kind of vision or what we've seen, says the Lord. Maybe that's so, that it came from the word and not, listen to me, we live by mysticism here. This is why churches are big, because we start living by mysticism. Mysticism is a feeling and an emotion where it's about, well, I had a vision, and I saw God blessing me with all this stuff. And listen to me, if God's going to bless you with something, it's going to be much deeper than material things. He's going to bless you with salvation. Salvation in his name. Anything outside of that, no matter. It doesn't matter. It really does not matter. The issue in the walls is not that there's rich people and poor people and middle class people. The issue in the wall is that people need to be blessed with the God of the universe through salvation in his name alone. That's the issue. And so we must seek God privately when we are angry, when we see injustice. In place. This is how we should always address any issue in our lives. Look at First Chronicles 16. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is what? Near. Look at what Jesus said in Luke. He says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will what? Find, knock, and it will be what? Open to you. Be very careful. Because these words right here that Jesus is speaking has created a whole other doctrine that the Word of Faith, Prosperity, Gospel have been preaching for the last hundred years. This is not saying that you, whatever you want, like selfish things, right? Greedful things. It's talking, if you read on, it says, whatever you want in my what? Name. Right? What does God want in His name? That His glory may be displayed among the earth, saints. That's what God wants. God does not want anything other than that. Why? Because He created everything. He can get one better B&W than you could ever want. Why? Because He created everything. But God is about His glory. And man is about themselves. Men are selfish. I am selfish. I am guilty, right? I don't preach up here acting like I got it all together, y'all. I am corrupt, wretched, in need of Christ alone. We all need Christ. And here's the reality. We must seek God. We must pray. We must make it. We must make it today. How? Through prayer, last truth, and we we'll be powerful. We must boldly confront and correct sin. We must boldly confront and correct sin. Nehemiah does not hold back. Man, I love Nehemiah. Right. Nehemiah is someone I would look up to because Nehemiah is not holding back any punches. The righteous anger that Nehemiah has in his heart leads him to confront the leaders to repent and then all those who are living lives of greed, specifically the nobles and the upper class. Nehemiah verses 5 to 9 of chapter chapter 5 says this, I took counsel with myself, I brought Charges against the nobles and the officials, I said to them, you are exacting interest each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. But you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent. They were silent. I could not find a word to say. So I said, Nehemiah. The thing that you are doing, help me out, is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations of our enemies? Listen to me. What this is doing right now, this greed is showing the nations around them that want the city of Jerusalem. That they are no different from us. God's people are exactly like us. We got different classes. We got different education levels. We got different this and that. We got different color groups here. The blacks, the whites, the browns, the yellows, the mix somewhere over here, right? They got different. And look at me. They are exactly just like us. They segregate classes. And God is here and says, I take no partiality to any group here, but my people alone. Nehemiah is drawing his people back to the partiality that God comes to redeem them from impartiality to partiality in his redemptive plan. That's all we're seeing here. So he is boldly Correct confronting and correcting sin. Let me ask you right there when was the last time you biblically confronted someone? When was the last time you allowed someone to confront you? Because I can promise you this just like me, we all fall short of the glory of God. Amen. So, so where do we go from here? How do we understand that God is doing what only he can do? Simple. You ready? Correction. You are in need of correction. I want you to see a couple things. Number one, right? There was a private confronting. Nehemiah privately confronts these leaders. But now as we move forward... There was also a public confronting. If only leadership would admit their wrongs, nations would prosper. Let me say that again because that may have gone over all you guys' heads, right? If only leadership would admit their wrongs, nations would prosper God's way. The Bible is clear about the correction of sin. If we are to be genuine followers of the Lord and to demonstrate true love for one another, we must rightly correct each other. The proverb says this about correction. The proverb says, A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. 1 Timothy says, As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all. So that the rest may stand in fear. Hear me out. The last thing we want to do is give rebuke or receive rebuke. The word rebuke is to make right. Hasta we say pono. The reality in these verses is that man is greedful and their only answer is God's correction on their life. Thank God for men like Nehemiah who, want, who was not wimps. They weren't scared. He wasn't scared about the nobles. He wasn't scared of the royalty. He wasn't scared what would happen to him. He, was, he had a backbone that was strengthened by his trust in Almighty God. He rebuked with honor. How do we know he rebuked with honor? Because he did it privately first. Then in the text, he does it publicly. And First Timothy is clear, right? Years and years later, that the correction of man must be made if we are to be in right fellowship with God and right fellowship with one another. We must confront sin. I want to make this personal today. You ready? I'm going to say this because I love you. I love every one of you. And I want to say this with Grace. Because I know between me and you, we all need God's mercy. We all need God's grace. But I want to confront some things that I know that's happening in our church. Number one, there is sexual sin in this church. There is sexual sin in this church. We have unwedded couples living together, disobeying God's way of marriage, and I want to speak into that. I want you to know that God's grace is here to rescue you from that bondage. Hebrews thirteen four says, "Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled." Guys, read that. Let the marriage bed, not the shack up bed, the marriage bed. Let it be undefiled, for God will judge the sexual morality. Hey, it doesn't stop here too. There's pornography in this church. Not just men, but women. We're looking at things that God has rescued us and redeemed us from. Listen to me, if your heart is aching for this right now, praise God. We need correction. And I want to say this in grace. I want to say this with love. All right, because those who are having this issue today, listen to me. We corrected you privately. We went through the steps of Nehemiah. And what I think is just as bad moving forward is that we have hypocritical sin in this church. Members are living buck wild and not holy. Members are using God's church as a side chick. And not a redeemed people who desperately long to be and commit to Jesus because of his salvation for us sinners. Let me take it a step further. We have people in this church who knows of these known sins. And they're not doing nothing to admonish these sinners to repentance. Not much amens in this room. I will be judged when I see the throne of glory. And by all means, I am going to take the stance of Paul in Galatians 1, where he says, I'd rather be approved by God than by man. Look at us. For us to show ourselves approved in our relationship with God, we need to confront and correct our wrongs. Listen to me. If that's one of you in this room that we just addressed, your destination is hell and you need forgiveness. Here's the joy. You ready? You're not the only church member that struggles with this. Ohana Church is not the only church that struggles with this. Every church that I know that I'm committed struggles with sexual sin, struggles with hypocrisy. Why? Because all men fall short of the glory of God. You, me, your sin is not worse than my sin. As I speak about this, I have issues of sexual sin in my own mind, in my own heart, with the loss. And I want to be very careful to say that That if we are not careful of our sin and we do not repent of it, we will miss on the totality of God's richest goodness in His Son, Jesus, alone in His glory forever. Don't miss out on this. If you're like me, a sinner, repent. If you're like the person next to you, repent. Whether if you are in these kind of sins, whatever the case, all sin separates us from a holy God. Therefore, we need a holy God to do what only He can do. And that is to redeem us by the confronting of our sin, by the correction of our sin, by the word of His testimony. That in Christ, we are redeemed. We are redeemed. Hawaiians, don't look at me like I'm perfect. If you knew me 15 years ago, it's a totally different Zeke. I'm guilty of the women or girls that I have defiled. I'm guilty of drugs, the illegal ones. I'm guilty of stealing and cheating, physically abusing my parents growing up. I'm guilty. I know I'm a sinner of sinner. But God corrected me. God confronted me. And this is not a past tense issue. This is a present tense. A good God, a faithful God, will discipline us to the day we meet him in glory. And one who follows him, truly, genuinely, because of his work, will give it up. Will give it up. Look at this. Here's some things I want us to do when it comes to correcting each other. Number one, we need to follow scripture. Nehemiah. Right? He corrected. Number two, we need to be gracious with our correction. Are you with me? That's probably one of the hardest things. Number three, we need to welcome correction. This is the opposite side. Every one of you should have an accountability partner. In fact, this is one of your main actions today. when church is pow, get accountability. Somebody in this room say, sister, we need to meet once a week by text. By phone call, we need accountability. listen to me. We can only be accountable to one another as much as we allow somebody to be accountable for us. But the Bible says get correction. Right? Get corrections." Therefore, we have to receive correction. Number four. We need to test the giving and receiving of correction. That those who are giving correction is with a good heart. And those who are receiving correction is in a good heart. That they're not faking, oh yeah, I get it, I see, I see. But no, we're really, we should all in this room. we should be over with our sin already. We should just be so tired of our heaven, that man, all we got is Jesus. Number five, we need to honor the Lord through our correction. Do you know what the root word of discipleship is? Say it with me, one, two, three. Let's, let's say it again, one, two, three. Discipline. Discipline. The root word of discipleship, a follower of God, a follower of Jesus, is discipline. We can discipline ourselves in all these other things. But what matters is the word. So as Brian comes up, this this is a question I want to ask, right? How should we respond? And the answer is clear, but hard. We should be advocates. Of taking off people's burdens. How should we respond? We should be advocates of taking off people's burdens. Yes, their sin is their burden. Therefore, because I love my brother, because I love my sister in the faith, I'm gonna take that burden off of them by speaking Jesus into their life. Listen to me if you're in sin, don't run. Don't run from the church. That's the, that's the one thing everybody does. When people are living in sin, don't run from the church. All right? I know, I know the excuse. When sin attacked your heart, you're going to use every excuse. Well, I don't like being around those hypocrites. Well, guess what? Join the party. You want to. Right? Join the party. God is truthful, and we're going to work on this hypocrisy that's in our life. We're going to be faithful. We, we should be advocates of each other's burdens. This is what it means to walk in what we call holiness. Holiness is not individualism. Holiness is not even external. I grew up in a holiness church. My father was a holiness preacher. And when I thought about holiness, from head to toe, your body was covered. If you had tattoos, man, you wear long sleeves. Right? You tuck in your shirt. Women would have all these... Whoa. Thank God we don't dress that way anymore. But, right? They had all these old, like, heavy set clothes on to cover themselves. We would have um, drapes right here on the stage. Modest drapes, they would call it, and all that. To cover up, to be holy and to cover up that unholiness. Does that make sense? But what we're talking about is not an external issue. What we're talking about is an internal issue. Holiness is not about what we fix on the outside, right? Holiness is not even what we we fix on the inside. Holiness is who God is and what he does for us in his son with our corrupted hearts. And holiness is not singular, saints. Holiness is plural. Why? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one. And guess what? They're holy. Therefore, our core preaching, our core understanding of doctrine must be a pursuit of holiness. So when Jesus told the 12, as Nehemiah prepared us for Jesus. When he told the 12 in Matthew 28, You shall make disciples in every nation, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit... He wasn't saying you shall make preachers. You shall make teachers. You shall make apostles. You shall make prophets. No. He's saying you shall make holy people. Why? Because our Lord God is holy. Why does greed exist? Because we are unholy. Nehemiah verse 18 says this in chapter 5. Now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds. And every ten days, all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor. Because the service was too heavy on his people. I want you to see the leadership application here. Number one, Nehemiah uses his own resources. He said at his own expense. He gave all the people this every day. Here's the second one. He denies any special treatment. That's a good leader. That's a great leader. By the way, as much as I love you aunties in this room, stop serving me food. All right? Stop giving me the best plates and all this. All right, This is not a Mormon church. okay? Like, I'm okay to get my food last. Okay? Me and Kahu Marcus, if you look at us, look at us. We ain't starving Hawaiians. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I know you guys love us and you guys want your best for your cows and all that. But next to you, we ain't even that close to Jesus. Right? Like, we want to make sure you know that we're in it, man. We're here to sacrifice. All of us. We're going to use our own resources. Right? And he says this because he doesn't want to put the burden on people. Right? The church should be a church where people aren't burdened, but where people are burdened, unburdened, right? And we know this because Jesus demonstrates exactly what Nehemiah did. When Nehemiah using his own resources and not being treated specially, Jesus himself demonstrates this in Mark 10 saying, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but what? to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many let's look at these scriptures let's look at Jesus in light of Nehemiah and let's see that the answer to sin or to the sin of greed is found in the finished work of Jesus as we end our time today and as Cahu Marcus makes his way up for the benediction listen to me no be shame. Do not be, that's the enemy, that's the devil. To make you feel shame about the sin that you're in. It is in your shame that God does a beautiful thing. He honey you. He caresses you. He redeems you. He lets you know that he is serious about you. Why? Because you hold his image. I want you to think about this. All the animals in the world. All creation in the world. Let's talk about the angels. The fallen angels. All the fallen things in the world. There's only one creation that he will redeem to himself. And that's those who hold his image. Guess what? You are one of them. You are an image bearer of God himself. Himself. So God is not here just saying, I'm going to send everybody to hell for the sake of just disobeying me. No, he's saying this, because you bear my image, and because I'm about my glory, and my name, and my fame, I'm going to redeem you of your sin, I'm going to redeem you from your sinful, fleshful ways, and I'm going to do in you what I have done in you when I breathe my breath in you when you sin. That's the God we serve. You are image bearers. And God in His sovereignty will save you and rescue you. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to respond in light of what He's already done. Repent today. Repent today. Repent. Ask God for forgiveness today. If, in fact, don't just go for yourself. Ask God to forgive your children. Ask God to forgive your spouse. Ask God to forgive all of those that you're connected. Ask God to forgive our leaders today. Can I get a witness right? Our government leaders. Ask God to forgive us. God, would you forgive our land today? So let's respond a little differently. In the mercies... Of the Lord, let's repent with a heart of God. I need you. So, I want to say a simple prayer. It's just a prayer, a response. There's no power in this prayer, there's power in Jesus. And the way we respond to Christ is through the gift of prayer. So, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to say these simple four saying phrases. Number one, say, God, I need you. God, you don't need me. So God, you have chosen me. And in response, I choose you. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Everybody says, Amen. And give the Lord a clap of praise this morning. Real quick. Please hear me out. Those who are watching. As we preach, as we preach what people would call these hardcore fire brimstone sermons, right? We want to let you know that we are a gospel-centered, gospel-focused, gospel-urgent church, meaning we love to talk about Jesus, all right? And no matter what sermon we preach, it will always be about the risen Lord, Jesus. So wherever you're watching, for, if there's any way we can serve you, is there any way we can come alongside of you, you can email us at info at dot com, or you can call our church office on our website at OhanaChurch.com For everyone in this room, you need fellowship. Alright? Everybody get accountability in this room. You need accountability. I need accountability. What is accountability? Seek somebody for Wisdom. And guess what? Most of all, seek God. Everybody get accountable. If there's anything we can do today, more than giving tithes and offering, right? Give your heart to God today. Trust in the Lord. Find somebody to be accountable with. And if that's one of you that has been addressed about your sin in this room, whether it's that sexual or the hypocrisy, hey, give it to God. Get accountability. And mark my words. The blessings that you're going to experience is far better than the materialistic you have in your life. You're going to have salvation in the name of the Lord through Christ alone. I could care less. I could care less what I drive, what house I have. I feel like every time we're moving, I'm going into a smaller, more humble home. Can I get a witness out there, right? Like, it's all good, bro. It's all good. Because He is good. May He be blessed. Grace and peace be multiplied to everyone in this room. The Lord Jesus be praised and magnified in your house, in your job, in your influence. May the name of Jesus be the name that is magnified and glorified among the nations of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, God Hannah says and affirms it.